Please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, this is Treasy. It's Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. We're the Kind of Movie Critics podcast. You know, back for some more fun. Um, how are y'all doing? Excited for this doing conversation. All right. Feeling, feeling yeah. nice to have you back. Rockstar have you back? Treasy. Yeah. What? Which one did I miss? I don't fucking know. You was gone though, because you, you, Big Willie. It's fine. I preferred you call me William, but <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. But sir, uh, yeah. <laughs> nah, shit, I can't even remember. What, what was the last episode we did? On the count of three, right? Was that the last one? Yeah, yeah. I, I think like so. Yeah, you I were gone for that. the one before that. I think so. What, and which one was that? Um, the church movie. Oh yeah, Honk for Jesus. That's right. Y'all did an amazing job. I think I already told y'all that, but all right. But yeah, I'm here now, man, and uh, we're here to talk about Atlanta season four, the actual, actually the final season of the Atlanta installment, which makes me sad because this is one of the few shows that had a lot to say. Um, this is one of the few shows that is appointment television for me. Was oh, rest in peace. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm down to just the White Lotus now, which I'm gonna not watch on time tonight. So shout out to is us. is White Lotus season two good? I haven't even started it. It's less interesting than the first one, but I am still interested. Oh, okay. I, I love and, the first one. Who are there any overlapping characters, or is it like all Anthony? Just there's a, um, just Jennifer. There's Coolidge. one, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jennifer Coolidge. Okay. I so it. now like the White Lotus is a chain of hotels, so they're in Italy this season. So oh. I like that. I like that idea that we could go somewhere else with another cast, and it's not like what are they going to do next? So right. I enjoy that. HBO smart for doing these anthology sort of shows, you know. Um. Uh, but you said you said rest in peace, and I think uh, we'd be remiss not to mention Takeoff from the Migos, man. It passed away, what, about a week ago? A little over that, a week ago? That sounds about right. Yeah, man. Yeah, his funeral was, was like just a couple of days ago, right? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah, crazy, man. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, the Migos were in season one of Atlanta. They're, you know, staples in Atlanta, Atlanta culture, Atlanta music. So it's only right that we mention uh, you know, the passing to take off, man, which is obviously sad, man. I didn't know much about the Migos. I wasn't a huge Migos fan, but, you know, kind of catching up with everything in, in retrospect, uh, it seems that take off was the the most humble, least deserving. I mean, nobody deserves this, but like the least you would expect for this to happen out of the Migos yeah. crew. Like he was the most soft spoken, it seemed like. He seemed like the most level headed also. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Obviously, that's a huge loss to the to their family because, from what I understand, they're all family, right? Cousins and uncles and nephews and all of mm-hmm. that. The Migos, yeah, yep. So it's a, it's a huge loss to their family, to their you know, to their performance dynamic. And I, I if I'm not mistaken, they were kind of going through some sort of an internal beef, right? Like I think Offset wasn't really rocking with Takeoff and Quay Quavo or whatever. Yeah, money stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I sound old, so. I I, I, hope if, <laughs> I hope if nothing else, man, I hope this can sort of like help, you know, Quavo and Offset put their their grievances aside, man, and uh, you know, just kind of like put a microscope to whatever took them apart. You know what I mean? Because uh, this time on Earth is not promised, man. So rest in peace, take off. But um, 
But overall, yeah. how did you guys feel about this season of Atlanta? Oh, I loved it. I felt like it was a return to form. Yeah. It might it might be my favorite season. I got to go back and look at all the episodes, but just just the way that like you don't expect any episode like it it's a it's a curveball or something every episode you don't know what's going to happen and most of the time I'm definitely um enjoying it. Mm-hmm. it this might be my favorite season maybe it's cuz it's the last one too so I I definitely appreciate it a lot more every episode I, I'm kind of with you on that like it was hard for me to say whether or not it's my favorite season but I think it has my most it has the most of my favorite episodes. Like I think I have the most favorite episodes in this season than any other season. Yeah. So, so with the, you know, with that logic, I'm gonna say it probably is my favorite season as well. Where does it rank with you, Lizzie? Um, I don't know. I think I kind of enjoy Atlanta as a full body of work, and I don't because the the episodes can literally go in any direction. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't look at them as being broken up that way. I guess. Um. I, I I don't know, I but I did enjoy it. I'll say that it it felt like a return to form over last work mm-hmm. because there weren't as many body bottle episodes, but even the bottle episodes that we did experience didn't feel disjointed. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, ha ha, we're here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very 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 interesting. Oh, uh, I th- yeah, I the fact that this is the last season though, that's really. That's kind of painful to say out loud, actually, because, you know, where, what is this team going to do, man? They worked so well together. I mean, they pretty much created a masterpiece series. Like, where, where do you, they they made four bona fide stars out of this show. Uh, I mean, there's got to be some sort of a, an award for, <laughs> you know, what they did, you know? Um, but knowing no, that McDonald's- it's not... Knowing Donald Glover, they like, I I see him carrying these characters into different spaces, and I think maybe not as an ensemble, they may not show up all together again, but I think we will see the four of them like sprinkled other places. I can see. I don't. That. I don't think they're gone. Yeah, I can see that. Or From do what... they even exist? Right. Well, that's 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 the question. <laughs> Was Judge Judy thick or not? Nah? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we're gonna talk yeah. about that shit too. <laughs> from, from what I understand, though, it seems like I, I think I heard that uh, Donald Glover is doing like a Twin Peaks style show. That's, that's like what his, this was supposed to be, right? Yeah, this that's what all, this is. This didn't all the way nail it, but I think he's coming back with something that's a little bit more Twin Peaky. Peaky. How? How can you be more Twin Peaksy than this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess uh, turn it into like a murder mystery. <laughs> Maybe like that show was like weird, but not as funny. So I guess. Yeah, it was. It had a very serious tone to it. Um, okay, so ten episodes. Uh, I mean, each of them, you know, there, there seemed to be. This wasn't. I mean, this kind of had through lines, right? Like it seemed like the through line with this, uh, was earn. You know, earns whole moving to California one wanting Van to go and his family to go and him dealing with therapy and sort of that thing. That seemed like a through line. What what else was a through line this season? I would say um definitely uh it's like um 
uh, Paperboy's like post rap career. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he gonna do after? Like, he can't rap anymore. Nobody wants to buy his music, or even the Born to Die episode. Like, the kids don't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he's like not a legendary rapper, but like a very well known. Like, I would say like a two change or something like that. Right. Right. So, um, for Paperboy, that's definitely what's happening. I guess it's like with uh with Lakeith, um, Darius, I I would say it's like people leaving him. Or it's like it's like what what happens to that guy who's like I mean, I, I think they, they I forgot exactly how much it was that Snoop said like the guy who rolls his blunt blunts make and that that guy's like still around. But what <laughs> happens to the that friend or that roadie or that guy who's like really close to a rapper but like his purpose within the group like fades or people go their separate ways like uh, you definitely felt that the last episode uh, to me right what are you about to say Lisa? I mean I feel like there's a whole lot of themes of like transition here mm-hmm. um yeah they're all in transition in- including Darius but we will talk about that really talk mm-hmm. um and depending on what you think is actually happening here We I just the last episode just did a whole lot for me, <laughs> and um, it makes sense that they would all leave except for him. So um, I guess it's like getting to what does the end look like? Um, where are they going after this? Um, what happens next for all of them? And they're all in transition in some way, right? But. What would you say Van's through line was? Is sort of navigating the because she's not really a single parent. It's her identity. Again, well, I mean, we never we didn't really resolve that at the end of season three. She just acknowledged it, right? But I think she kind of got there and figured out who she wants to be mm. um, going forward. Which is what would you say she wants to be? She wants to be with her family. Her like earns, that's earns, yeah. earns woman. And the mother. I don't know about being Earn's woman, but I think like just finding contentment okay. in her family, in herself, and and what that means, mm. which is hard for a lot of women. Very easy to lose yourself in relationship and in motherhood. It's super easy to do. Um, and in her case, especially because she doesn't have a career, she's not teaching anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so let's just t- let's start from the top, man, and just kind of like work de- work our way down these episodes and talk about you know what we liked about them. You know, Atlanta does this thing very good where it's having you know a bunch of conversations and it's saying a lot per episode. So let's try to maybe point out some of these, uh, you know, underlying ideas and ideologies that are within these episodes. Uh, I guess as much as possible. Does that sound like a good way to approach this guy? I'm with the shits. All right. Well, let's start mm-hmm. at the top then. Let's uh episode one of season four, the most Atlanta. Um this this is what the episode with the MF Doom tribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Martin. we we talked about this in a previous episode, but um yeah, it's there's like a whole MF Doom tribute which is done by uh it's blue blood, but it's it's basically um Earl Sweatshirt. Earl, yeah, Earl Sweatshirt is doing the um doing the voice or whatever. Yeah, you blew my mind. And also yeah, and also it's about like the um I guess the riots or whatever. 
like the George Floyd riots, but it's happening in Atlanta where people mm-hmm. are like looting a store. Right. And um and also going on it's it's about like Van and um Van and Ern going to Atlantic Station and seeing all their exes, which is like a little joke or whatever. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I loved I love this episode. And and I thought it was a really strong start cuz I feel like especially this season of Atlanta is like an MF Doom album where, or just Atlanta period. Cause Atlanta's not like the most, it's not underground, but it's not the most popular show that like a lot of people talk about or watch or whatever. It's, it's, it's very much, especially to this point, like I think a lot of people dropped after season three. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's like, it's for people who want to watch it. Like the people who want to watch it get the most out of it basically. And, and I never really, I never recommend MF Doom to people because somebody recommended MF Doom to me and I listened to an album and I hated it. So it took me like a long time <laughs> to right. like get into it, hear it at other places. And then he became like my favorite rapper. So mm. what would you guys think about the first episode? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I felt like it started strong. You know, I felt like it was one of those ones that was a love letter to people. You know, everybody's not really familiar with MF Doom, so um, that you know they might not have connected in, in, with the material the same way in terms of like, you know, this super, you know, cryptic rapper that you know dedicated his life to the art so much so that you know he had an experience going even in his passing. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if, yeah. if you're kind of familiar with how MF Doom passed away, uh, he passed away like three months before the world found about him, found out about it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, that's in real life, right? Like, I, I think he 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 passed away. I want to say was it like in July or August? But then his wife announced it on Halloween of what 2020 was it, or was it 2021, Martin? I think it was 21. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And why that's significant for anybody who doesn't know who MF Doom was, he he always wore a mask. So he always wore the the Doom mask, the Victor Von Doom mask or whatever. So for his wife to announce that he passed away on Halloween, the day that everybody wears masks, is kind of like an ironic jo- It yeah. almost felt like he planned it, you know? Doom like Fantastic yeah. Four? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, Dr. Doom. That's okay. where he takes his... Um, yeah, I think his name is just Doom now because I think he got sued by Marvel or something like that. But um, yeah, that's that's where he took his name from. Yeah, and his persona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you know, if anybody who watched this episode and they you know they didn't really understand like the the journey that uh, Paperboy was going through, you know, based on the lyrics and how it just kind of became like a treasure hunt, a scavenger hunt, or whatever the case may be. You know, that's some real life like. I mean, that's some shit that's, that's probably not outside the grasp of Doom being capable of, right? Would you say that, Martin, as a fan? Yeah, I would say definitely, like, I think Donald Glover kind of sees himself similar to MF Doom with creating Atlanta just because, like, Atlanta is always making art regardless of if people are going to get it or if people are going to consume it the way he wants them to it's like he they're just making episodes making art making seasons and the people who get it who listen to it might not understand it might not go that extra mile to understand like or look up on 
look up on uh, online like what all these references are or what's going on. But the people that do like really, really appreciate it and, and fuck with Donald Glover because of that. So yeah, I, I think that's that's a very clear like analogy for what he's trying to do. I don't think um I obviously I don't think I've caught all of the references here. It's like I'm not an MF Doom fan, so like a lot of that stuff kind of went over my head, but like definitely starting with Sammy Sosa hat. Like I'm always like I'm going to go Google that. Right. <laughs> so yeah. there've been like several times where I had to do that. Like um even I mean there's so many like um pop culture references, even in this episode, um, outside of the MF Doom portion of it, the like the memification of this show is just like hilarious. So um I guess it's like reverse memification <laughs> um if you think about it. But specifically like Darius trying to return an air fryer to Target and why he would be in Target specifically. Right. Um there's two reasons because um during the uprising. I don't know if I want to call it a riot. If we can't call like yeah. the Capitol riots a riot, then I'm not gonna call this a riot either. Right. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were specifically targeting Target. <laughs> right. There was a specific focus there because of their relationship with law enforcement. And then um, the woman in the wheelchair wanted to attack him is a specific reference to a meme. So like, if you if you don't know that, it's mm. not as it's not as entertaining, yeah. I guess. It's not as yeah. fun for you um, as some other things. And I, I guess, like, <laughs> seeing your exes at Atlantic Station is hilarious. Um, but, <laughs> but shout out to Atlantic Station. Um, but also... I f- I f- well, I, I just feel, real quick, I feel like white people will watch the uh, the girl in the wheelchair and think, like, it follows but black people watch it and we we know the meme of like the woman who was in Target who got sprayed with the um with the, the fire, fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. And like why was she even there? Like that's the other part of that. And she could walk. The fact that they didn't yeah. let her get out of the chair on the show is funnier than if like she actually got up. Yeah. And it does feel like it follows cuz she's moving so slow but uh-huh. she keeps catching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do I do. Yeah. yeah. I see that analogy for sure. I didn't even think about that until you said it. He gave the air fryer to homegirl. And now she's like, now it's following her. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. Um, yeah, that, I don't it's it's I don't know how anybody keeps up with all the references in Atlanta. It seems like every 30 seconds there's a new reference. And and if you don't know, you don't know, you know, or as Pusha would say, if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just hard to catch all the references. And I do think that that makes, you know, Atlanta a very, very valuable IP because it has, you know, an extreme amount of replay value um, and, and and will probably appreciate as time goes on, right? Like as some of these moments become, you know, less uh, moments of today, it becomes, it has more historical value um, as to a moment in time to serve as like a time capsule of where we were in the, in the culture when Atlanta came out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely i could see, see it working in that way uh is there anything else in in the first episode that's sort of worth talking through i guess that kind of sets the tone that they're all on a journey um mm-hmm. and i guess like darius is trying to escape something 
um, well, he's running from something. Darius is running from something and um, Ern and Vanessa are trying to escape something. And then uh, Al is looking for something. He's searching for something. So Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. Um, To go back to something you said, Martin, too, you said, you know, it feels like uh, Donald Glover probably identifies a lot with, you know, doom and sort of the artistry. I, yeah, I think he started really getting to that. They started really getting to that point in this show, you know, towards like the, you know, the, the second half of the season, man, you know, you know, with some of the episodes and I'm sure we're going to get into them, but I feel like he was Mm -hmm. starting to get really, really on the nose with this idea that like, yo, uh, you know, I'm saying a lot and y'all motherfuckers better be listening because Mm -hmm. I'm giving you, I'm giving y'all the sauce right now. All right, so the homeliest little horse, episode two. Uh, which one is this? Is this the one where they he, they go through extreme measures to set up this white girl? Yes, he <laughs> he basically pulls a whole like Nathan Fielder on this fucking white woman, and who's Nathan Fielder? Go Google that. Um, okay, <laughs> you should. If there's he has a show called The Rehearsal on um, HBO. That is kind of like the same kind of thing where you can't tell. It's very Andy Kaufman-esque where like you can't tell how much of it is real and how much of it is not real. And and who's pretending. It's very interesting in that way. Mm. <laughs> but he basically he basically did that to this woman. He gave her a whole Nathan Fielder experience. Um, you don't know how much the you don't know how much they're fucking with you or not. But anyway. It's interesting that he did this as an exercise in concert with his own therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and him kind of um, speaking about like the limitations that he put on himself after what he perceived as his own failure by having to drop out of, of Princeton and how like it was basically the result of like a white woman exercising her power unnecessarily to trip him up Mm -hmm. and um and just you know weaponizing her power against him as a black man and him just going it's funny like i'm sure he's experienced that more than once in life but like now that he has the money to to like fight back (laughs) he chooses this woman (laughs) yeah i feel him i feel him so phil remind me because my memory is terrible like remind me what she did to to set all this off. Um, he was trying to travel and mm-hmm. there was an issue with what was it, Martin? His was it his passport? Yeah, I think I think he, he there was the issue with his ID and I think he tried to use his passport. Right. And then she wouldn't let him and then he tried to go around her to like another worker or whatever. And when he tried to get on the plane with like his his uh with Van and Lottie there, basically she stopped him like right at the gate, and I don't know she didn't have him arrested or anything like that, but she she, she stopped him from getting on the plane. Yeah. So like his experience at Princeton was fucked up, and then he achieved some success, and Princeton had invited him back, and that was like him being able to return there like for his moment of redemption, and this white woman stole it from him, and that was what like happened to him in parallel at Princeton before. So he was like, not this time, bitch. I'm going to get my fucking revenge. And so we find out at the end, like, there's this elaborate scheme with her 
where she wants to be a writer and he has all these actors um, pretend like she's gotten like a publishing deal and she t- he sends her to get her hair done and they give her baby hairs and shit. Mm-hmm. And she do- comes to like a reading at a library and all the children fucking boo yeah. her, <laughs> her book. And she's just sitting there crying and they're filming the whole thing. And then they're playing it at a rap party <laughs> at the bar afterwards. That was the part that had me weak. <laughs> it was just well, I knew something up. was up when I fucking seen Tracy. So yeah, uh. I was like, "Hmm, what's going on here?" Nice. Okay. Uh, is there any takeaway from that episode? I mean, he used his fight to heal himself, and I mean, like, I'm not mad at him. I guess, like, whatever therapeutic exercise there was in him being spiteful and just giving this white, taking away something from this white woman that she dreamed about. like, And the thing is, she probably didn't even learn anything because she, she doesn't know why it happened to her. So mm. who knows? Yeah. Well, she lost her job, so she's not working at TSA anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Earn is petty, man. That, I just remember leaving that episode feeling that. I was like, boy, Earn is petty as a mug, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, but also, you know. You know. She deserved that shit. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Episode three, Born to Die. Refresh my memory on what episode this was. <laughs> it's the white rapper episode. Young white avatar. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That and, and Paperboy was uh He was at somebody's bar mitzvah. Yeah. Dude approached him about A and R for his son. <laughs> right. And uh he yeah, and he ended up Taking the job, taking the responsibility, and you know, he took on the job, but the kid didn't really need him, um, and let him know that he was like, "Well, you can just be here." And exactly. um, he ran into somebody else he knew. He ran into fucking Otis from The Temptation. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny though that he would use Otis from The Temptations. I'm so curious if like that was on purpose. Because everyone remembers, like, ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. And so, like, yeah. somewhere along the way, Otis got comfortable with that. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. what it felt like to me. Right. I get you. And um, as a result, uh, he ends up not getting to work with that kid because Otis takes him on as his as his manager to develop him exclusively. I guess he has him under contract. Mm-hmm. And then um, Al moves on to Yodel Kid. And <laughs> right. It's it's because of I guess social media these kids become famous really really quick and like are at the fucking Grammys and it doesn't feel like that much time has passed for it to be possible right um but I mean I guess that's the irony of the situation what was your takeaway Martin um yeah I I guess I mean I I think they're definitely making fun of like a lot of um like white rappers or rappers just in the hip hop scene like. Obviously, Justin Bieber had like Ludacris and Usher or whatever, and th- there's a lot of rappers like that. Um, I mean, shoot, Six Nine isn't white, but he he was very much like backed by a bunch of New York people, New York rappers, or whatever. Even though they're aware of like how detrimental he was to the art form and to the culture, that it was just about prolonging their uh, careers or making money so i mean i think it's a pretty straightforward episode i know uh one of the Ebo girls um did it 
the one of the women who did um Honk for, Honk Jesus, for Jesus. She directed yeah, she directed this episode. I'd like to see more from her. I absolutely would. Um, I know you said she had like an animated project coming out. Yeah. I would too. I want to I want to see what she'll do with like a big budget. I absolutely do too. Hmm. I don't really have a whole lot to say about this. Like just I guess it's meant to make like a a mockery of how people enter the music industry now. I guess like through social media and how disposable it is whereas like the art the era of the artistry um from which Paperboy comes like is bygone at this point and it happened so fast like it happened what from two, six, 2016 until now he had like a 6 year career and then right only niggas around the way are, are recognizing him mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you know the average kid doesn't know who he is which is nuts cuz there are people I mean my daughter is different because she has a very expansive palette for music and I'm very, very proud of her and she's so smart. But like a lot of kids, like they're like, who? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting to see that. But I, I, I think know. it's all yeah, it's also interesting like that there's levels to um I guess selling out in a sense. Cause it's mm. like Paperboy at the beginning of the series, even even I think in episode, in season three, it's like we said, I don't care about the streets or something like that. Like, there, there's always been this thing of, like, he's a Jeezy-type rapper where, like, famously Jeezy was like, I don't care about rap. I'm just trying to make money, basically. Right. And But obviously Jeezy is, like, a really good rapper. And But it, Paperboy felt, like, the same way where it was like he was kind of just using that to get on and make money and get out the hood rather than, like, caring about the artistry or the history behind it. Uh, he also and, had, but like, he's a- been in there. Yeah, he's been in there so long that like it's kind of seeped into where he has to care about it, and and these new like TikTok type rappers or whatever or like mm-hmm. this new generation is even more removed from that culture, even more removed from that art form. That even he is like the guy. He's kind of he's kind of being a hypocrite at the same time because he doesn't really care. But at the same time, it's like he can't stomach this. But I mean, at the end, he he does. So mm-hmm. it's something to sustain him. And it's funny because he was just so aloof in the beginning. Like he wanted to be on, but he just there was shit he wasn't willing to do in the beginning. And it's shit that he thought was yeah. corny. And now he's kind of come full circle to embracing that. Mm. Good, good. Any any uh anything else to dig out of that episode? Okay. Um, I don't know. Was anything else happening with uh Darius and Earn that episode? I can't remember. I don't remember seeing. Wait, it was D'Angelo. The oh, search D'Angelo. For D'Angelo. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was the D'Angelo episode. <laughs> I now that I'm looking, yes. Yeah, we got our. That uh, was funny too. I, I it was just interesting to me too, like how they kind of play Earn that that episode because like um, him saying, "Oh, if you could get D'Angelo," what was the other person they said? Do you remember Martin? I don't remember no. Um, and he was like, I could probably get D'Angelo. And this that that six degrees of separation that allowed him to have access to someone who knows him, but that person even like led him in the wrong direction. And I really thought it was cute that he was like, Yo, a rally's in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, and if you ever if you ever like 
lived in Atlanta or been to Atlanta, like you know, they don't have rallies; they have checkers. Mm, checkers. So, like that was funny. Yeah. Um. I. <laughs> what was up with chicken skin this season? Because that was like the first of two references to chicken skin. Um. When dude was there, but like I want to experience D'Angelo. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Mm. Um, yeah. But just I think like just overestimating your access, maybe. Or did mm. you take something else away, Martin? Um, nah, I, I think it was all just one big joke about like how elusive D'Angelo is. Um, or maybe maybe it is like a commentary on how difficult how how it's much easier to um it's it's way easier nowadays to find like a TikTok rapper or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or like a um SoundCloud rapper than it is to find true like art and you might search and not even find it. So hmm I mean, I guess that's like a juxtaposition of two different eras too. Like um D'Angelo being someone who maybe who achieved a a, a respectable level of, of whatever that means, of success <laughs> or fame or notoriety. Um, in our community and and thinking like, oh, I can access this person and you really can't. And it's it's because they're from an era where you just you couldn't just you couldn't just talk. You couldn't DM nobody like right. they weren't there for you. You didn't know what they were doing. And with him, like you absolutely don't know what he's doing. Um, even like we live in the same state he's from. I could not tell you shit about this nigga other than people telling me, oh, he used to perform at all the talent shows before he got on. But like after that, like absolutely not. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Light skinned it. How'd you, <laughs> you want to take this? Uh, you want to take this, Lazy? Y'all are funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny because when I watched it, <laughs> I always get that one actress confused with Tracy Spencer. I like to call her like fake Tracy Spencer. Um, but. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, she was. She was the. Oh, wasn't she the mom on uh, BMF, the BMF series? I didn't watch that. You, that's your. That's up your alley. Shout out. Yeah, to, I didn't to, watch uh, it either. Grams of Snow. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Grams of Snow. Yeah, I think uh, the 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 aunt, Aunt Jeannie, that was the mom. That was uh, Demetrius and you know Southwest T and, and Big Meech's mom in the series. But anyway, I'm sorry. Sidebar. No, you're fine. Um. I thought it was nice to see Ern's family again. Um, I like Isaiah Whitlock. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, isn't he like typical boomer dad? Like, <laughs> your family's like religious and he's like, dad doesn't, mom goes to church, dad does not go to church. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's he like, to- this is my time away from yeah. you. <laughs> he trying to walk through the mall before the kids get in that junk. And gets distracted by Taina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny. It's not Taina, but like that reminds me of the scene where Taina distracts like Chris Rock. Uh makes him buy a green shirt and shit. And I think I love my wife. It was like basically the same situation. Got it. Uh. Um, I I liked seeing his family. I love that like Cat Williams came back. It's so like realistic too over. Family dynamics and in, in a black and black well African American culture I should say um, of like oh these two sisters don't get along like as you know you're on the when you're when you transition into like your parents are no longer taking care of you you have to take care of them mm-hmm. and the resources your parents have access to and people start to distrust each other and it it's just it just felt super duper real have you ever like Treasy had any of those dynamics in your family 
Um, yeah. I, rest in peace to my aunt Sandra. She was like the uh, she was always perceived as kind of like the troublemaker of the family. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it it was yeah, it was it was a lot of drama behind that. So yeah, I it, this this wasn't a far stretch. What was going on? You know, this sibling rivalry. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. But like, it yeah. was funny as as she was on the phone having her breakdown talking about y'all never like me because I was like, don't say it, don't say it, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like skin. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, don't nobody care. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that that does not make you fucking special. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. But you know, that's that, that's how it goes in our families. That's exactly how it goes. How about you, Martin? You got that? You got that in your family? Oh, like to this day, <laughs> literally, <laughs> right now, I could call my uncles and they're beefing with each other, like literally over this situation. Mm. So, but it's with my grandma. But like, um, uh, yeah, she passed too, and they're still beefing. So. Oh, that's when it gets the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, say it, who, it was... but when one of my great grandparents passed away, like her children. Uh, maybe maybe one of my grandparents. <laughs> right. Yeah. In their 60s was fist fighting in the front yard. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember being little and hearing this story and I was like, wait, they were what? And what happened? Right. And rest in peace with my granddaddy trying to like break it up and like drive off the car. I like, I was like, yo, y'all are wild. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's but wild. like now, now that doesn't seem so old because that's like. My mom is 70. She doesn't feel that old. Uh, but, like, I can't imagine my mom and her brothers, like, getting in a shoving match. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Craziness, man. Craziness. <laughs> right. and, and, I'm glad know. they don't have that going on. Cause, or or my father's um, siblings, they don't they don't act like that either. But <laughs> yeah. we're not, I, know, I, I know what that looks like. Right. Right, right, right. And it seems like it always exists over some sort of material shit, you know? Just them not, it's just a, a level of distrust that they probably always had for each other, and yeah. it's just amplified because they've never dealt with it and they've never resolved it. Hmm. And so, like, that's that's just common among people when there are, I guess, like money's involved or mm-hmm. just anything to be gained. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin, what did you think about those kids walking up on Ern's dad, um, in the mall? Oh, I mean, I I would say that's very much accurate because <laughs> kids walk up on me up at the gym all the time. Like, like walk up on you how? Like just start like joning you or like making jokes and stuff like that. And then if you don't if you don't got the um you don't got the tools to hit them back, or you can't embarrass them back, then yeah, it'll be a long day. I mean, but it usually <laughs> I just I would have just walked away in that situation. <laughs> I, I feel I like Ernest dad was scared. I, he was he was scared of being embarrassed. I don't think he was in fear for like his life or anything like that. You don't mm. like you don't think he thought maybe they might like jump him or something, like beat him up. Nah, I don't think that was gonna happen at all. I don't know. Teenagers are wild, Can and I, I never. I, I remember. I remember my my grandma. Same one. I remember <laughs> her. Like she got to a point where she was scared of teenagers, and she was an educator um, before she mm. retired. But she got to a point where she was scared of teenagers, and I was like, Grandma, I'm a teenager. She was like, no, you don't understand. And now I've gotten to the point where I look at teenagers, and I'm like, yo, y'all are wild. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, And they feel so much different than us. I don't know if they actually are, but they feel so much more extreme than we were. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I imagine my generation in my sister's generation, like, probably felt that way also. But, like, that I'm looking at them now like, yo, I hate teenagers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not mine. (laughs) Yeah. But they're, they're, they just, the stuff they engage in and the audacity that they have, like, I would never have attempted anything like that. But I don't know that most kids would now, even though you're saying, like, your interactions are kind of that way, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, kids say wild stuff. I mean, I feel like kids say wild stuff growing up. But, yeah, I definitely think it's gotten gotten worse because, like, everybody's online. So people are used to, like, talking shit to each other and nothing happening. Absolutely. So I don't I don't think the kids are like more violent or anything like that. I, but I, they are like way more. They're way more um, quick to be like, "You a bitch? Show me, show me I'm a bitch. You a bitch? Show me I'm a bitch." Where like we would never do that, and like when I was growing up, that yes, type of thing. I agree. They're so much more emboldened. So maybe like, maybe that's what we're seeing there—a juxtaposition again of like. Earn's father coming from a generation where if you walked up on someone, you have to watch your interaction because there may be a real consequence to that. Whereas these kids, like a lot of them don't have any concept of that. Like like you said, Although, because they get used yeah. to thumb thugging and then it's like you punch them and they're like, oh my God, you hit me. I'm calling the cops. Right. <laughs> Although like I was, I was playing adult ball this, um, like this like afternoon and morning or whatever, a dude tried to pull out a gun in the middle of like a wreck or whatever. Wait a Whoa. minute. Whoa. In real life? <laughs> so so I guess it is getting more dangerous, yeah. How he got, old he was got this in, person? Was he, was he a teenager? He, pro- he probably had to be in his like early 20s because it's a, it's adult ball or whatever. But he I guess he got in an argument with his teammate. <laughs> and like literally while we're playing, he walks through our game and goes to his book bag. And people oh, wow. had to calm him down to kick him out. Oh, Yo, wow. Gen Z is wild. wild. Gen Z yeah, is wild. Yeah, yeah that's scary. <laughs> that's very scary. Okay. He pulled, yeah. That's funny. Speak, speaking of, like, T.I.'s son doing that, like, being in a Waffle House arguing and then walking to go get his book bag out the car. I was like, what are you doing, little person? So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, like, I'm still like, Yo. Yeah, I mean, I've only i've I've seen people like jar at each other like pretty much every time I ball there, and I only seen like one actual fight. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's like it is what it is. I guess that's nuts. Yeah, I think it, we're 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 close to my favorite episode. Well, one of my favorite. One of the favorites. Yeah, this was one of mine too. Work ethic. The 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 oh the Kirk, Tyler Perry episode. Kirkwood chocolate. <laughs> yeah, Kirkwood yeah. chocolate. That yeah. one I watched multiple times. I watched that one twice. Okay, I well, absolutely did, did. Did you take anything away from it the second time, like that you didn't catch the first time? Yes, because I knew it was coming, so I knew where I was like not paying attention and probably looking at my phone before, mm-hmm. um, and kind of caught some things that I didn't catch the first time. Let me just back up. It is very clear that they shot this. At Tyler Perry Studios. Okay. And Tyler Perry has not said shit. And I want to know what he thinks so, so badly. Have you seen? I Because I Googled and I could not find a response from him. Like, Martin, have you seen 
where he's responded at all? Um, shoot. I don't think he... He's usually not the type to respond that. I mean, he's responded to Spike Lee, but I don't think he responded to the Boondocks when they were going at him that much. So the Boondocks he'll, he'll didn't do like film a general... on his property, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, that I mean, is I true. I, w- I would imagine he was fully aware of what they were going to do. I-, I would imagine that. Like, yeah, I think that, they gave him a heads up yeah. at least. Yeah, Donald I, I don't think I don't think that they made him seem like that bad i feel like honestly i feel like it was relatively like it was satirical but i thought it was balanced because what they also showed you is everything that he was able to build they also showed you how many people he was able to employ even though he had them running around like wearing 20 different hats trying to um, make everything happen but i feel like to a degree it was way more even-handed than the boondocks was and I mean, yeah. maybe he's just a good sport. Maybe he saw it and he laughed. Maybe it's like a Kenya Barris situation where he's like, I'm gonna let you have it. <laughs> right. Like, like right. he's, he's, but like, I'm sure this isn't the only thing that they filmed on his studio. So to me, it's entirely possible that like he knew they were there, but, and I'm, you know, they filmed so many. I'm sure they filmed on his studio like several times, like throughout like the tenure of the show. And maybe we just didn't realize it. Hmm. What do y'all think? Maybe. Um, I'm just. I'm curious how that all went down, because this this required a lot of moving parts. And for them to I mean, maybe it didn't. Maybe it just seemed that way watching it um, because of how well constructed things are on the lot, like. It was just that was just I got so much enjoyment out of watching this. What yeah. what about you guys? Once I realized what was going on, I was totally invested. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, these are all. Um, I mean, I think the episode is very hyperbolic, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, but this being as somebody who like. All right, so I work, you know, adjacently in the film industry or whatever the case may be, you know. So, like, you hear about, I always hear these horror stories from people that have worked for Tyler Perry and how it's, you know, it's it's cultish or, you know, it's there's just always a story about working with Tyler Perry. So, to me, this was like, it's funny because, it, it you know, they they were addressing some of the things. Um, but doing it in a very, you know, with hyperbole, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I got enjoyment from just, you know, kind of like pasting, mashing together the, you know, these little increment bits that you hear about people that have been employed by or within proximity to Tyler Perry as he's making productions, you know, I'd never, I'd never heard anybody talk about like a, a PA system, and he's kind of like the voice of God. <laughs> he has to be yeah. to have all those damn shows. How is he recording right. them all? Like, right? All, like, how many properties does he have on own right now? Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, like, not to name names, but I can only think of one person that I know for sure has been there in the midst of two different productions going down on the um, the property. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That I, you have to tell me off mic, like, if you know someone who's actually worked on one of his productions, because it wasn't the the two productions that were going on, like were not his. So I'm just curious, like if you know somebody else, Mm -mm. not me. How about you, Martin? 
No, I don't know anybody. That oh, okay. So I know who to ask about these stories that you're saying, because we're talking about the same person. Then. So. <laughs> uh, well, for me, it's a few different people. But. Oh, that's what I was asking. Like, so, yeah. so other people who have like been in that same situation, like where they're on the lot and they just see stuff? Yeah, the, the stories vary. Yeah, they see stuff or their own personal experience. You know, a lot of it, a lot of it just comes down to like the amount of control that he has over his situation. You know, like obviously when I say that out loud, that sounds dumb as shit. Of course, you're going to have the most control over your situation, but like it's very extreme in his case, you know. Um, but like, you know, is that to be respected or to like to be dissected? Like, you know what I mean? Because that's. Yeah. That's yeah. like to me. That's respectable because how many other black people have that much control over their situation? Well, I, well, I think I think what this episode did a good job of is showing us, showing us things that we probably showing us answers to questions that we probably never thought about having. So mm -hmm. I, I've I've said it to myself. I said, "Dang, well, you know, like well, he writes a lot of shit, but I've never <laughs> thought about it. Like, how does he write all of this shit?" <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like it's, on his it's, piano, his piano writer, yeah, his, his, piano his key writer. writer. What did he call it? I forget, man. But that shit heavy week though. What did he call it, Martin? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. I don't even remember. That was funny. Yeah, I don't like, remember. Steve Jobs gave me this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but so it's like the the episode did that really well, where it's like it just took. It it gave you question. It gave me questions that I never. Like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, duh, that is a question. Like, how can you do X, Y, Z? You know, how do you maximize all this fucking time? And, um, you know, they gave us as many answers as humanly possible <laughs> or things to, things to sort of chew on, you know? Um, I, I found like the underlayment to it, and may, I could be wrong in interpreting this it this way, but it was kind of like a commentary on how like um, how easy it is for your kids to get influenced in a one parent situation. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Like when she was on set for the the show where the lady ate the crack sandwich uh -huh. and she was like, "Why am I here, mama?" Like Right. <laughs> and it was like Van was looking like, "What the fuck did I expose you to?" <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with single parenthood, but like with us like things just getting out of control when we have the best of intentions with our kids. And like, um, I don't know if that has anything specifically to do with single parenthood, but I thematically, I don't feel like you pull that out of a hat. Right. And, and honestly, like that episode in a vacuum doesn't feel that way. But when you look at like the entire storyline of like where Ern and Van and, um, and Lottie, is that the Lottie? Lottie, mm -hmm. yeah, where where it goes, it's kind of like that's you know that sort of has to weigh into it. It's like she's having these experience with Lottie on her own because, I mean, she's not a single parent, so I'm I'm not trying to say. I that. I mean, she but, is. They're not married, so. But she's not a single parent. He's he's there to help, right? Like, like single parent is a whole. Single means you're not married to me. So yes, well, she is. Single means there... to single parent means one parent to me. Okay, I'm a single parent, but I have a co-parent, meaning I'm not married, but I have a co-parent. So, like, I disagree, but, like, we're entitled to see things differently. <laughs> okay, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, and, and it's less of a disagree, agree thing, more of, like, see, I, then I, I need to start challenging people when they say shit. Because, like, 
or not challenging them, but trying to figure out what they mean because it's like I've heard single parent just used in the context of like I'm doing all this on my own. I'm a single parent. No, single single parent home, meaning like there's not my child doesn't have two parents in my home, but she has two parents. She's a she's a father who's very active co parent. Right. Um. You know, I I don't take it to me single to me just means you're not married and and you are not living together. You single parent. Like right. you live oh, in the house with one with one parent, um, on a consistent basis. So I would and and in and in her case, like I do think she fits that, but I I don't think she does everything on her own. But like I would say when the show started, she was more so responsible for taking care of Lottie than Earn was. Earn was living in a storage unit. Right. So <laughs> Right. But I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, like, like I said, I don't, the specific circumstance in this episode, I don't, I don't know that it was that pointed outside of like the Tyler Perry universe of like how black women are depicted. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it like focusing again, I don't feel like you pulled that out of a hat, but like how she's a a Kirkwood chocolate lady. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I bet you have a dark skinned baby daddy. Um, (laughs) Previously incarcerated, light skinned love interest. Right. Uh, That's funny, man. That's funny, man. A light skinned nigga gonna save you. Man. Man. Jesus Christ. And the irony of how in Precious, which he did not direct, but he did produce, like that person didn't even exist. Like it's just it's just funny to me. Mm -hmm. Um and some of the characters I like, like the Gunto and Grandma wasn't even a Medea type. She was she seemed like actually invested in well, I guess Medea does too, in in helping this person that she just met. Mm-hmm. Um, giving you these biblical references to like, I'm gonna give you a word, I'm gonna give you some scripture to like ground you. Right. And which which he's saying she was like, You make unrelatable shit. But like I know that lady in real life. Mm-hmm. I know that hairdresser in real life. I know that light skinned dude in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know all those people. You definitely see that. So Right. I know that mom with the TikTok kid. I know that person too. Like, Lord. You can call it unrelatable, but like those people exist. Those people, yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. So next was Crank That Killer. Was yeah. it, was there any parallel storylines in this or was just this just this uh like a single single player episode, I guess? Like just following out. I can't there remember. There was the whole like the kiss in the um shoe band thing. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what the fuck was that, yo? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. What I mean, I guess like was that like are black men homophobic? I, I'm just curious. Like I don't know what he was trying to say there. Me neither. But it was funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah, but me neither. I don't. I don't know what what was going on there. I mean, um, none of them strike me as actually being homophobic. But like, I guess if you think about it, they had a thing that they were really invested in getting these sneakers, and in order to get it, they were told, "Okay, you gotta do some gay shit." And I want to see you do some gay shit. And I'm like, is that a commentary on Hollywood right now? Uh, so right. like, 
And then how how he's just like, hey, like, I shouldn't have to do that to get what I want. And Darius is like, it's not a big deal. Let's just do it. But he's like, hey, I'm not gay, but like, it's not a big deal. We, I can just like, is that like either side of the argument? Am I thinking about it too hard? Like, no, did you I mean, guys take any of that away? Uh, no, I mean, like, I see, I, I went more into the idea of like the resale market, you know, like the, the shit that yeah. like the price to pay, the prices that people pay for shit in the resale market, especially when it comes to shoes is insane, bro. Like. When you look at like the the Yeezys and shit like that, like the resale value is in fucking sane, and people are literally, you know, I you know maybe so I kind of took it as like a commentary on that. You know what I'm saying? That like people are willing to do some wild shit because to get what they want to get what they want. But like, you feel like I'm like I I went to the bottom of the ocean on that one like by myself. I'm just asking. No, 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 no. I don't I don't think so. I think I think like because I no I don't think so. Like I think it know. was bad. I think it was balanced though because it's because like I'm looking at it from Lakeith's standpoint of like okay this is a thing like but it's not a big deal like I we can I can do this like and it doesn't change who mm-hmm. I am or how I see myself like it doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. And I also see like the earn perspective of like, yeah, but like on principle, like don't don't try to make me do some shit that that's not what I came here for. Right. So like, um, I don't know. It's like weird. And then, you know, we all have questions about Brian Tyree Henry sexuality. So like I mm-hmm. I'm just I know they weren't talking about him specifically, right. but I'm just I'm just curious, like, did anybody, you know, if you on Twitter, like, hit us up. Right. <laughs> and- I'm like, I, I was just curious, like what y'all thought about that. And the, and you know what the thing too is that it could it could be saying all of it, you know, mm-hmm. like like that's not above Donald Glover. I think to use a moment to speak on multiple different, you know, multiple different concepts, you know, constructs or whatever the case may be. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think I'm smart enough to figure that one out. Um, but you know the overall like this whole idea that like people can get killed or canceled for something they did in the past on the internet is hilarious to me. You know, and of course, Soulja to crank Boy, that era. <laughs> yeah, the Soldier Boy coming back saying like, "Nigga, ain't nobody got more uh, Soldier Boy content. Crank that content than me, nigga." Like, like, like I'm. He the, told I'm, a nigga to go get a farm, yo. Right, and you know, of course, that tied into a future episode. Yeah, go get a safe farm. Yeah, safe farm. That's what? funny. I like. I wonder if that's a thing, like on the journey of people trying to find themselves, like them wanting to like reconnect or disconnect. I would say from like everything, but I, I guess like maybe um, back to Martin's point about like his career getting to a certain space. Mm-hmm. And and what that means. So like, what what do you think about that part of the the narrative, Martin? Um. Well, I don't know. I kind of took it at face value as mostly like a joke. I mean, I I think it's it's funny to me because like when I went to Hampton, Soldier Boy was huge. So I remember like the oh, party God, that like much before. Older than you, Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the party before like school started, everybody was like trying to do the Soldier Boy thing, and then a whole bunch of like Greeks were like telling us, 
you guys shouldn't be doing that because like it really means like you're coming on a girl's back and putting like a sheet <laughs> on her or something like that oh for some God. reason. <laughs> like the shit they used to tell us. So I mean, that is it, what it means. Uh, yeah, that's that, what supermaning that a hoe is. Yeah, oh, really? it is so stupid. Yeah, I didn't know that. You nut on her back and you smack her the sheet on her, and let her fall asleep, and when she gets like, yeah. that cape on. <laughs> that is absolutely. I feel like nobody, is. nobody. I don't know anybody that ever tried that. It's, it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's a little extreme. All kinds of sexual things on the internet. I think maybe n- most people have never ever done, but they yeah. they get they have a name for whatever reason. Yeah, I ain't trying to yeah. kink shame nobody, but that that's wild right there. I will kink shame that stupid shit. <laughs> it's not consensual if I'm asleep. Right. You're not laughing with me. You're laughing at me. At me. Right. Um. Yeah, but you know that's what I took from it. The scene in the mall was funny to me too because dude starts shooting. Like <laughs> yeah. Everybody had a fucking gun. Everybody had a gun. <laughs> Obviously, that was a commentary about you know fucking open carry states and stuff. Martin, had you had we seen that guy before that like pulled up boy paper boy outside? No, I think it's just it's supposed to be like it's dangerous to be like a black rapper or black entertainer way more than it is like any other entertainer. Just because, especially if you grow up in the hood, like there's gonna be people that are jealous of you or just want to kill you, and that's just something you got to deal with. I mean, definitely, definitely, rest in peace to take off again. Yeah, like, that's that's insane that that could happen to somebody who's been in music for that long. And you know what? Not just take off. I felt like that was a commentary. You know, Atlanta's been hitting this stride where it's like a saying things that are happening sort of in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of like a commentary yeah. on what happened to P and B Rock. Because, you know, there was a lot of yeah. speculation that, like, him dropping his pen was, was, or, you know, his his girlfriend, you know, showing the location is what got him killed, which, that, you know, that's a dumbass argument. I mean, it's, it's an, I get it, but, like. Well, there, I, from know, what I understand, that was disproven anyway. So. That was, dis- right. But, yeah. you know, even if it wasn't, it's like, man, you know, they were coming for that young lady, and that's, that's kind of fucked up. But, you know, the, sort of the way that Paperboy was found, because you got the kid who was waiting for his chance to be a rapper. <laughs> what was what was interesting too about that was that if that was somebody from his past, like that he knew from high school that he had beef with, like why did he call him by his stage name? That's what threw me off. Why wouldn't he just been like Al? Mm. Maybe he was going by Paperboy in high school. I guess. I'm I mean, I'm trying to think of someone like that you know what? <laughs> Shout out to my homeboy. That I went to the basketball game last night at Hampton. And, Go ahead and shout him out. Um, shout out to my homeboy Matt. Oh. Um, him and him and our other friend Joe, when they went to put me on the list, so I could sit courtside, I could have trapped a referee last night. Um, <laughs> there was nobody at that damn game, but <laughs> but we played Regent. I didn't even know they had a fucking basketball team. Oh yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, the basketball team. Shout out the Regent basketball team, but they got some growing to do. They not that good yet. Yeah. You saw the score on my story. Anyways, no, so. I, I've been to a game and saw that they don't look like when you got down, when you fucking around on NBA 2K. And got down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just, just so like, interestingly enough, score. they like I do not say my name. Um, I've taken my first name off of the internet as much as I can because if you Google me, I come right up. And I I remember like in the beginning, y'all have gotten like better about it, but I was like, hey. Don't say my name because if you Google me, <laughs> I don't want I don't want like people finding me so easily to, for this content specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it at this point, like my friend, like we've been friends now at this point probably about five years. He did not know my government name. 
And he asked Joe, and Joe was like, oh, he told him my first name, because he calls me by my first name. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call me Leezy. And right. but he could not remember my last name. <laughs> so oh, wow. when I got to the game, the lady at the table was like, I need to know who you are because <sighs> apparently you're famous and nobody knows your name. Oh my so god. I was like, trust me, I'm not nobody. He was like, No, I just been calling her by her nickname. And I'm like, you know what? In a weird way, like this was my goal to to like <laughs> disambiguate right. publicly from privately. So like I won. But that that was like that was weird to me that like someone from high school, no one who knows me from high school would call me Leezy. They just they just wouldn't. Like, right, well, there's a couple same. friends I have, but like people who haven't seen me in 20 years would not call me Leezy. Right, same. Yeah. That's so I just thought I thought that was funny. Like, hmm, that's weird that someone from high school would call him that. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think like the crank that killer was just motivated by like how annoying that shit was? <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 probably, because they never really gave a motive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And, you know, to, like I said, to me, it was a commentary on cancel culture. Um, You know, shit that you did in the past coming back to bite you in the ass. That's very smart. Yeah. And just not, just not also, scrubbing your social media, which I do probably on a monthly basis. I go back and go, you know what? Nobody needs to read this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> scrub it. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Scrub daddy. What are you about to say? Scrub daddy. That's funny. I mean, it's it's also kind of like going back to uh, going back to David Lynch, like with the murder mystery thing, like that. That's this feels like the closest thing to that. Um, to a Twin Peaks episode. Yeah, where there's just like a killer around and people are trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. nothing like what they thought. Yeah. Now, if I'm at the mall and someone's like, young lazy. <laughs> oh, shit. Let me not turn around. <laughs> yeah. Yours okay. would be the weirdest, Martin, because I don't even know where your your handle comes from. Um, I won't share oh, it because yeah. you don't share it, but it's fine. I still tag you, though. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so what did you think oh, about yeah. Snipe Hunt? Um, that was probably my least favorite episode of the season. The snipe hunt. Why? It, um, cause I didn't. It was. I mean, nothing really happened. The family got back together. I but, mean, that was the most like that was the most cohesive like moving the story forward episode though. But we knew specifically. Well, we knew specifically what was happening, why they were there, and what what was trying to be accomplished. Like I wasn't lost at any point watching that. Oh okay. Yeah, well, maybe that's why it was my least favorite because it just was too straightforward. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, it was. It wasn't much to it. What about um, you, Martin? Um, yeah, I mean, it it is basically like a short film, um, just with Erin Van and uh, Lottie, um, being together on a camping trip. Mm-hmm. I always, always kind of hated camping though, I've so never I didn't. Been. I've been like once. I think we saw a bear or something like that, so I stopped <laughs> going camping after that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been the last time Trees was camping. You seen a a a, a bear? How close was the bear? Twenty five feet yard? Um, I don't remember because I was just so young. I mean, my dad grew up is from Tennessee, so he grew up like camping and doing certain stuff like that. So we went out there, and I think it was like super early in the morning or late late at night, and there was like a bear outside going through our food. I but do I, not, I don't think it was like a huge bear or whatever. We just stayed in a tent. 
My mom and my daddy both from the country, like two different countries, like, well, two different, like, rural areas. And, like, neither one of them is interested in going outside and pretending to be poor. I don't get the, like, the concept of let's decon, like, disconnect from all this beautiful technology that makes us not have to deal with struggle and go struggle. Like, like, let's go struggle for fun. Mm. Am I misunderstanding camping? (laughs) Well, I mean, I we weren't. I mean, I I understand people that hunt. The people like they feel like sure. it's like a challenge to be out in the woods by yourself and be one with nature and like accomplish something. Mm-hmm. But just camping, just the camp, I don't I don't get it really. I don't. I mean, or if you were going fishing, sure, I could understand yeah. that too. But like just going outside and for sleeping on the ground and pretending to be poor. Mm-hmm. Even I like even if you're a scout, I get going camping because there's like skills you're supposed to be learning. But like, just gonna go outside. And I I thought it was funny too that like Aaron was trying to be Big Willie. He got a tent, a tent with multiple rooms. Like, yeah. what even is that? And <laughs> right. then Van was immediately like, "Yo, we're gonna fucking freeze." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. She 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 was she was definitely way more in her element than he was. <laughs> You know, being that I guess she was like the Girl Scout. But isn't she like supposed to be biracial? Yeah. So like they were doing white people shit, so she knew more about it than exactly. Him. Yeah, I feel I feel yeah. like that was like a little nuance, you know, a little 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 callback or whatever the case may be. What do yeah. you think that animal was that Lottie caught? Uh, it didn't look like a. It looked kind of like a snake, but I don't think it was a snake. Nah, know. it's a snake. Well, I mean, I think it's just made up for this episode. But I mean, snipe is supposed to be like a quote unquote like a bird, like it ain't right. A snipe is a bird. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. whatever she whatever she caught that was it was like some reptilian looking situation. She or caught not. the uh, the a jackalope. Oh, a what a jackalope? <laughs> a jackalope. Jackalope. That's funny. Mm. I mean, there's not a whole lot. I'm excited for the next one, so like we don't got to keep talking about. It. So they got back together. They go to L.A. together. Cool. Right. They go to L.A. I'll, well, I do want to shout out the little girl that plays Lottie. Like, I want to see her continue to work. She's, a she's really good. Yeah, she's killing it. Because a lot of kids suck. Shout out to Red, Red Hook Summer. Um, <laughs> Come on, Lizzie. You can't saying. do that. Yes, I can. Yes, <laughs> I can. Is that your equivalent of fuck them kids? Them ones specifically. They were really, really bad. Like, oh, my God. And we know Spike knows how to cast kids that can act better than that because Brooklyn. So I'm just right. saying this little girl is talented. Um, she looked like a little Dakota fanning to me. So uh-huh. I'd love to see her keep working. Yeah. She definitely had the qualities and the chops. Um, all right. Goof who sat by the motherfucking door. This shit caught me off guard. I'm so here for it. Me too. Man. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I I instantly felt like this should have. I was like, oh, this should have been the the series finale. You know, because they were low key. You know, it was there was some shitting on Disney happening. You know what I mean? And you know, Hulu's owned by Disney. I think well, Fox is owned by Disney as well, right? FX. Yeah. Yep. So you know, so that was that explained to me why he was able to have so much latitude with it. You know, and calling out names and all that's all that stuff. But uh, I I kind of like that that they will are willing to laugh at themselves. Yeah, yeah. I guess in the same way Tyler Perry did too. You know, right? Like, yeah, Donald Glover must be really like pitching this shit up to people for real. I mean, but I mean, think about where he is in the Disney machine. Like, 
aren't we? I mean, Martin, you can answer this because, you know, I kind of check. I check. I'm not as involved as you are. Like, there's levels to this fandom shit. But like, <laughs> isn't he getting isn't he getting like more Star Wars work as Lando? Yeah, there's going to be a Lando series. I think by um Justin Sim- Simeon is doing it. Oh, oh fuck me. Lord. That could go one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> and probably the other. Uh let's well we're going to pray about that. Don't don't wish that on my Star Wars, but cuz I did enjoy him as Lando. Um So I mean, he's fully I mean, he was he was in The Lion King, like he's fully like Disney has cut him some really nice fucking checks. So I I appreciate that he's like a part of it and he can laugh at it. Did we talk like a few years back when that documentary came out? I cannot remember where I watched it about the first black animator at Disney. No, I don't think His name we did. Floyd something. Mm. And it was it was really it was interesting too because I remember him saying like he just wanted to be an animator. He didn't want to be like a black animator. And then he like fully came full circle on that, which I thought was really dope. But um, this like put me in the mindset of that. But I couldn't like get a, a a hold at the beginning on like the character that they were describing. And I had never seen a Goofy movie. I just know like shout out to the read like Crystal and Fury like bust out in a song from that movie like yeah <laughs> every so once in oh, a while yeah. and I'm like I'm too old for this like I don't. I was just old enough to not want to watch it. So I just was like, I don't I don't know what's happening here. Like I didn't watch Goof Troop, so like I didn't love these characters or anything like that. So Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean I was I was old enough to watch it, but I wasn't old en- like I more so appreciated like the second goofy movie. Just mm-hmm. cause like the second goofy movie was like heavily influenced by like the X game. So there was like skateboarding and skating and stuff like that and it <laughs> like like a like a big play to like teenager stuff um whereas like i was so young when the original goofy movie came out which was i think it was like what 95 or something like that that, that was i remember school. watching it but I, I had no clue who like tevin campbell was or bobby brown or, oh my god i didn't even know who paulie shore was you know like, who paulie shore was in ninety five, no, I didn't know. I didn't understand that that was Paulie Shore doing that. Like, it was it was Paulie Shore doing like a Paulie Shore bit, basically the entire movie. But yeah, like I I didn't completely understand like the references. But it is so cool to like look back on it and see like see like how they're they're kind of deconstructing a goofy movie in this in this episode and showing like all these black ref all these blackness and. Black references in it, which is like really funny to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Did you watch a goofy movie, Treasy? I never seen it, man. That was out of my purview. Oh yeah. I think well, that's how you while it. I was, I I rewatched it with my braider as I was getting this braids, and we watched like maybe the first forty minutes of it, so I kind of got the point. And I never noticed that Pete was a cat. I don't know how I missed that. I didn't know what the fuck Pete was, but he's a cat, and that makes sense that he would have beef with Goofy. Um, but those quotes that they gave about like Goofy being a minstrel, like those are real quotes. Yeah, they are. So yeah. yes, and so like that's wild. Mm-hmm. And people Ben had said Walt Disney was racist, and this is like I had never. <sighs> there, there is so there's like minstrel tropes in other works, like like earlier like Mickey works that don't have anything to do with um that don't have anything to do with um, 
this story in particular, but I I like that like it's a parallel of a thing that's meant to hurt us. I guess it's like almost like the N word, right? Like mm-hmm. this thing is meant to put us down, but like we reclaimed it and made it something good. And I think yeah. like a lot of a lot of African American culture is that like even down to like soul food. Like it don't matter if you give me some bullshit, I'm gonna make it amazing. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So like I I like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Did it give you guys any of those same feels or? Um, it, it reminded me definitely of Donald Glover, his career, just in that like, you know, he had like the Deadpool series that was supposed to come out, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Fox or FX basically said that um, either the writing wasn't good enough or that he had too much stuff on the plate for it to be like a decent show. But apparently, like, he released a bunch of scripts or whatever. He was making fun of Disney while while he was writing the show. And he was really pissed about it. He went on a whole tirade about, like, I guess being a black creator. And I think that's this is definitely what this episode is about like as a black creator you are like second guess when you're taking the reins to like some type of ip that isn't yours like he i think he's kind of having the same problems with uh mr and mrs smith right now because i know mm-hmm. he was supposed to do it with the um i don't i forgot her name the girl who does fleabag but um she left the project so i think he's still on it right now he's mm-hmm. trying to do it but it it doesn't look like it's going to work out and it's like how much of as a black creator, how much of yourself can you put within within this corporate structure trying to make something? And it's something so like frivolous as like a goofy movie. Like it isn't like a Mickey movie or anything like that. Like it, Goofy is a side side character within that within these characters and for them to like be restricting him on what he's trying to do, even though some of the stuff he is doing is like ridiculous. Like having Goofy get shot at the end of the movie by police, <laughs> by police is like yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's so wild. But mm-hmm. but I, I think a lot of black creators that like work within within like the superhero structure or just work within like genre structures face these type of roadblocks. And I, I think that's what Donald Glover was trying to say with this episode. I, I loved it. I agree. I definitely think he's talking about himself, but like if you like if you notice the character takes on more and more of the physical uh presence of like goofy as you're yeah. watching it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like curious if that's how Donald is starting to feel about himself, like I don't know, how is he being perceived? Right. Um is he being perceived one way and then like, no, this is really what it is. This is what you're not seeing behind the scenes. You think it's this thing and it, you get the you get the product without knowing the backstory and mm-hmm. like what my actual motivations are. But what you're seeing is just some goofy shit like you're laughing at it. But it's really it's really meant to be something else. And maybe he was talking about Atlanta. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, it it is like a very much thing on the Internet where. A goofy movie is like a black movie, and Goofy is a black character. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's there's like several bl- there's several characters just within the zeitgeist that like black people just claim as like being black a lot of times. So. We were claiming The Simpsons for the longest freaking time. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, y'all claim y'all claim The Simpsons in the beginning when you can't remember, but yes, we did. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh really? 
The Simpsons and Skeeter from Doug, yes. Oh, Skeeter for a hundred percent sure. Yeah, Skeeter. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But um, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I I, I was I, what I was asking, and maybe I didn't ask as directly as I thought I did. Is do you think that this is him parodying parodying himself in the creation, like a meta commentary on Atlanta itself, and like what he was actually trying to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think so. I I think you know, like I said, uh, uh, the second half of the season, it seemed like he was really just kind of, sort of flexing, man. You know, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't, I, you know, can't like what's it? I I think he was definitely he's definitely drawing a lot of parallels to himself. You know, shout out to my man Brandon. I had a great conversation, long time listener of Kind of Movie Critics. And, he, you know, me and him have some of these really, really, really intelligent conversations just about what it means to be like a black man and, uh, you know, in America and just, you know, the black male experience. And uh, Atlanta is probably his favorite show on TV right now. And, you know, yeah, he just he said some things that were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, clearly, I think Donald Glover, you know, this is how he sees himself as he's, the, the, you know, the goof, quote unquote, that sat by the door. Right. You know, like Childish Gambino is. I mean, this is him. <laughs> like, this is him mm-hmm. in the culture, you know. Um, uh, and and then that's kind of paralleled. There's make no mistake about it. Atlanta is a he is a revolutionary, and Atlanta is a revolutionary show. Like, it's it's a right. show inspired to. It's saying a lot of shit that you know people just can't say. Uh, you know, without without a, an extreme amount of context, you know, he's and he's using his artistic expression to say these things, you know, it's the same way Tom or what was the character's name in the goof who sat by the door? Yeah, I have no idea. Well, I think it was Tom, <laughs> you know, the same way that Tom is, is, was using his art for revolution. You know, that's for... funny. His name is Tom. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yep. That's hilarious. Well, see, I'm thinking about it from the perspective, like he could be talking about himself, but he could be talking about like Ryan Coogler, right? Like Disney gave you money to make this thing, right? Disney, Disney gave you, a, mo- a check to make a superhero movie, you made a black power movie, right? Yeah. So, like, Donald Glover is obviously talking about himself, but, like, Disney, Fox, well, Fox, I guess, at the time, because it wasn't Disney yet, but, like, Fox gave him money to make a series, you know, because he's quirky, goofy guy, and he used it to show, like, the multifaceted nature of blackness in the blackest possible situation, right? Where, like, in this this city of Atlanta, where he's from, like how you can have all these um, different kinds of black experiences, but they're all black experiences. And I'm going to tell you this through like an artistic lens. And like some of you will get it and some of you won't, but like all of our content doesn't have to be the same, but it's relatable to all of us. Like at some point you're intersecting with these people on this show and you know, you know them in real life. Is that like how you experience the show, Martin? Um. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember before the show even came out, he uh he said he wants to show people what it is what it is to be black, like what it means to be black, like the black experience. He wants to show people that aren't necessarily that. And I know a lot of white people were like were mad about that or like not necessarily mad, but they didn't really understand like how hard it is how hard is it to be black or how different is this experience and with mm-hmm. every episode like I think Donald Glover has done a brilliant job. I'm definitely gonna miss this show, and uh, just showing us, showing us like not just like stuff that's on Black Twitter, but 
stuff that we don't even talk about that much or we don't necessarily um put on the internet just stuff that's like in our consciousness he mm-hmm. he'll put in a show that I, that I really appreciate yeah agreed so andrew wyeth alfred's world <laughs> aka safe farm <laughs> now again this is where i have to really really shout out brandon because he had an interpretation of this episode that i didn't even think about let's hear it this is all about Black men feeling like they have to isolate their problems. <laughs> right? They have to isolate Say their more. Yeah, they have to isolate their problems. Uh, you know, he made he drew a parallel. Brandon drew another parallel. So you remember the episode where uh I think it was episode two where Aaron was seeing the therapist. Mm-hmm. Right. And you remember he called uh Paperboy called him looking for the password to the thing. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up joking him about a therapist. Yeah, look, I'm making this nigga so rich that he he just throwing his money away, right? Mm-hmm. He so you know, and then you see at the end of this episode, you know who who was calling to check on him was mm-hmm. Earn, right? But even even in that moment of calling to check on him, we just watched him wrestle with a boar. We watched him break his foot in, on a tractor. You know, we saw uh, you know just all of the struggles that he went through in this isolated self while he was keeping his problems. To himself, you know, he went through hell. And when he finally got on the phone with Ern, and Ern was like, Man, you okay? And he's, or, you know, everything good? He kept it all to himself. You know what I'm saying? Like he had no form of expression for it. He had no vocabulary for it. And it was, and he's probably just used to nobody giving a shit about it anyway. You know what I mean? There's no like, you know, there's, there, there's, you can't do nothing with the experience. So, so yeah, I'm good, bro. You know what I mean? I mean, that's definitely a thing with black men. And it's, I guess, I didn't think about it that way, but like, that's what I told yo. you. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, it's, it felt almost like a thriller. Like, I was so uneasy watching it because I felt like they were telling us most of the season too, like, that he might die. And so I was right. scared that with it being the penultimate episode, that he might die. Right. And there were several situations he was in where he could have um, this episode simply because he was by himself. Right. Um, and I mean, that kind of drives the point home of what you said. And I've observed that um, with different different Black men that I know or, mm-hmm. or have been close to or are in my family mm-hmm. or have even been in relationship with that when they are searching for peace, they feel like they have to do it by themselves. Or if mm-hmm. there's a problem, they feel like they have to shoulder it all by mm-hmm. themselves. Um, and I guess this kind of like put into perspective, like how dangerous isolation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what the episode was saying. And after well, that conversation, it turned into one of my favorite episodes. Shout out to you, Brandon. Cause that was dope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, how, I like, I like how you think. Yeah. Yep. How about you, Martin? Where where did you stand with that episode, or would you t- did you take away anything, or do you disagree with anything that Brandon hypothesized? No, no. I I, I definitely think that's dead on. I think it's just funny that um this is like the second hog I've seen killed like this um this season. Well, not this season, but like this season of television because it happened on the House of the Dragon. Oh Like wow. a couple episodes in. That's funny. I I watched yeah. so much television, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beating up a pig. So, 
in yeah, real life he wouldn't have survived that. But oh, um, nah, especially not the way he did it. <laughs> no. <laughs> so my question to you as black men is do you feel like isolation served Al in any way or that it serves y'all in any way. I think this is trying to tell you that it doesn't, but like, yeah, I think, I think um, clearly it didn't, you know, um, the, you know, his bid in isolation, I think made him realize, you know, how much he needed, he leaned on his community, you know what I'm saying? So like being able to connect back with earn, that's why it was such like a glorious moment, you know, like, we want to be in community. We want to be in harmony. We want to be useful to our community, you know, but we don't, we just don't have the answers, you know, like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to convince people to lean on people when mm-hmm. most of your life, when you've leaned on people, they have given you shit about it or mm-hmm. they have, they have not, yeah. they have not, you know, carried through and, you know, held you in the way that you needed to be held, heard, or seen, or whatever the case may be. So, mm. so it's, I, I think it's, I mean, it's a byproduct of what it is, man. Like, uh, men are expected to produce, you know, mm-hmm. um, in society, man. So mm-hmm. at the moment that we are not able to produce, uh, you know, not only do we feel bad about the ability that we can't produce, but then you may be with a partner that <laughs> that doubles down on that, you know, because they're thinking about, how your inability to be whatever they need you to be, how it impacts them as opposed to worrying about you, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, I'm, I'll just be right out frank. I mean, that's, that's, that's my marriage. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I don't produce, then, you know, it becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. It becomes a fucking problem. So, well, you know, yeah, that's a real th- message. Thank you. Cause I always challenge myself to like, make sure that, any help that I given is freely given from my heart and that this, that I serve in love and don't, I haven't always succeeded, but like not to bring that back. I, I can think of one time that I like, I did something out of the kindness of my heart to be like, Hey, this is pressure on you. Let me alleviate it. And then the person like later on, it was about money. And the person later on was like, I'm paying for this and I'm paying for that. And I was like, I'm sorry. Didn't I just give you such and such and such and such? If you don't get the fuck out of my face. Right, right. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't do that. Don't don't act like I'm up your butt because you got to pay for stuff. Like, right. I absolutely just paid for something, but I didn't do it to throw it back in the person's face. I and and I wouldn't have unless they like if they hadn't done it to me. But like, I'm gonna challenge myself to rise above Michelle Obama. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Right. But but thank you for that because that's something that like I intentionally try to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real thing, man. I don't know where, um, where, what. Go ahead. One other thing that's interesting is like the uh, the title Andrew Wyeth. Um, yeah, that's that's a reference to like this painting basically. Um, Andrew Wyeth he painted this woman. I I forgot the name of the painting. Um, but basically she was she's a paraplegic, right? So she doesn't have the use of her legs, but she doesn't have a wheelchair. Like she she refuses to use a wheelchair and she's self sufficient. So she basically crawls around. And survives like that way. And I guess the painting is supposed to show the beauty of her struggle and in her self-sufficiency and how it is terrible and hard what she's doing. But like the painter like respects her for doing that. I think that's a lot of what they're trying to say about Al this episode. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
A lot to it. A lot to a very simple, yeah. you know, castaway style episode, man. It was it was a lot being said to it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. All right. Follow we go. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it was, was all a, a dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was all a dream. This was uh There's so much happening. I love this so much. Okay, talk to me because I I I don't think I took as much density from it as you did, but um, so there are several things that Darius says that makes me like think about like what is actually happening here and what this universe is that we're experiencing. Um, he says that he's. He doesn't say for how long he's been doing sensory deprivation sessions, but he says he does them weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end, and we're going to jump all over the place, but mm-hmm. at the end when he says like, maybe this was all my dream and you guys are just in it, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense that like none of this is real because these are just the sensory deprivation sessions that he's experiencing. And one of the reasons that this might be the last one is because he actually was grieving the loss of his brother and possibly his parents. Mm -hmm. So in the portion of the episode where he goes to see his brother and his brother is like, I can't get any sicker. Obviously, that's to clue us in that he has some kind of terminal illness. Mm -hmm. And he's taking him his prescription. And I kind of like shed a tear a little bit because we've all lost someone that we want to talk to and they visit us in our dreams. Mm-hmm. But like um, when he picks up the photo and he's talking to his brother and you realize that he's not there, mm-hmm. it is he asks his brother about his mom and dad, which would indicate to me that if you're asking your dead brother about your parents, your parents are dead. Too. They're also dead. And yeah. you and we also know that like um, that Darius, like we don't get to learn a lot about him. Marvin, Marvin, Martin said that mm. he had missed earlier. That Darius is Nigerian. And like literally, that was the only thing that I knew about yeah, Darius was that he the, was Nigerian. The Jola. Well, no, Jola. before that, before that, somebody has said, Ain't Dar- ain't Darius Nigerian? Like randomly in conversation. And I was like, Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay. so, but like in season one. Right. And I oh, that wow. was like the that was literally the only thing I knew about his backstory. They never I and I I might like front to back the entire thing again, mm-hmm. but I don't remember them talking about like Darius having a family. I'm sure people who remember are going to at me, feel free, Mm because I want to know if I missed anything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the thing that he was needing to process was the loss of his family. Mm -hmm. And so he's also now losing his core people that he cares about. Al Mm -hmm. has moved to this farm and Ern and Van are leaving to go across the country. Mm -hmm. So like, he's now having to deal with another loss and he's reached a point of healing and he's made peace with the losses that he's experienced. And that's why we don't need to see him, see the show anymore. Mm. Mm. That's deep. If that's what, if that's where, if if that was the plan, that was the place that it took me. Like, I'm like, okay, he's, this is his own form of therapy. And he has finally gotten to where he gotten what he needed out of like sitting with himself. Right. And and you know that kind of I don't know if you remember, but the way season three ended, we were kind of like, yo, were we led to believe that this was a dream? Like the whole thing with the suitcase and the other urn, you know, the the white dude, like it was, it kind of had shining vibes to it. Like how um, much of this are we actually experiencing, yeah. or and like how much of it 
because there was so many times when when Ernest was dreaming, like mm-hmm. um, throughout the last season, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, like that might have. I'm wondering. I need to go back and look, but it. I don't know that we've been in Darius's dreams the whole time, but okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously times where um, there's concern over other people, but there's definitely times where I'm like, hmm, was that in Darius's head when he's here? So it's it's just very interesting to me. And I have to I have to go back and see how much I can find. But funny enough, like I never thought to do it. I started watching this recap show about Atlanta um, on YouTube. Shout out to Movie Files. He may or may not listen to this because um, I noticed he watched after I followed him with our account. He started watching our stories. But <laughs> um, he said that he Googled, this is why I put it on the story. He Googled Thick Judge Judy. Okay. And the thing that makes that reference interesting is that because we always see her in her robe and mm-hmm. she's very small featured, like you assume that like under that robe, she's like a frail lady. Mm-hmm. But when you see Judge Judy without her, without her robe on, she got a body. <laughs> and so like for Darius to say, that um like thick judge judy is what grounds him in knowing that this is not real right is is like ironic because in the real world judge judy is low-key thick right <laughs> so okay. like judge judy was always thick we just didn't know <laughs> so <Wow>. like <laughs> are we in the real world <laughs> right. are we just are we just part of darius's dream <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good question. Look, I'm over here on my phone googling thick judge. <laughs> Shout out to you who doesn't watch our stories. But if you pull it up, like if you pull it up, like Judge Judy Loki got I mean, she's she's not Megan the Stallion, but she's not she does her body doesn't look like what I imagined right. it to underneath her robe it, at all. She looked like kind of like Skeletor. Oh, I don't man. know. Right. <laughs> okay, I see it. I see yeah, it. Yeah, it's like it's like, oh, her body, and, and it's not that like it's like I said, it's not that she's like thick, thick for real, but like right. she just her body looks different than what I imagined. Than what you would imagine it, yeah. Yeah, and I was no. like, oh, I'm not, I'm not mad at you at all, Judith yeah. Shineland. Right. No, it's a, yeah, it's the same thing with Nancy Pelosi too. Like she, you know, she's like, you know, you like, oh, okay, all right, that's <laughs> that's kind of wild. I I wouldn't have thought like you like a hundred years old. I just wouldn't have thought of that, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Judge Judy for having a nice body. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. What um, what were your takeaways, Martin? Because like I'm I'm talking, but I don't know if like there were some other things that you picked up on. Um, yeah, I definitely it, it was definitely an emotional episode for Darius. Um, because we usually don't get like a lot of his interior, like his emotion, what he thinks of stuff. Like I think the uh Teddy Perkins episode is like the most Darius episode and, and it's really about Teddy Perkins. Um, but I really like the um uh black sushi part of this episode. Yes. So did you feel like Demarcus was talking like Teddy Perkins? Because that's what I felt as soon as that his the way his voice sounded sounded like Teddy to me. And I was like, huh. So that to me was like, okay, was Darius dreaming Teddy Perkins also? Mm, probably. Yeah, the cadence of it for sure felt really Teddy Perkins-ish. But, yeah, it could be, yeah. Yeah, that that was my favorite part of the episode too. And shout out to Brandon again, because he made another connection. He was like, so so again, man, Donald Glover is really is really talking to us, right? Like, and and I'm, we're only giving this 
I'm giving this to Donald Glover because he created the show, but it, this may be somebody else in the writer's room doing this. Sure. Um, but the whole portion about the blowfish, mm-hmm. right? That it takes like a skilled chef in order to be able to take a poisonous fish and sort of like make it s- edible. Make mm-hmm. it edible. I mean, I think that's a commentary on what his what he's doing with his art here with Atlanta. You know, him being the blowfish chef. You know, he's it takes a skilled craftsman. And people not trusting him to tell the story of the black experience because it's been so toxic in this media portrayal and he's he's trying to do something different with it and people are not accepting it when it's not toxic. <laughs> there you go. Ta-da. You know, but nobody questions it when it's a Japanese man that does it, you know, or, you know, it's we only question ourselves. So do we like Heroes episodes more for that reason? <laughs> <laughs> that's, fun. no, that's very funny. I didn't even think about that, but that, you got a point there. Um, yeah, man, it's very dense. Very, 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 very dense. Shout out to the chef on that joint, too, because he reminded me of uh, my homie Big Trey. I don't know if y'all know Big Trey. That, um, yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Trey from Creative Nation. Yeah, Creative Nation. You know, he's the one responsible uh, for, for the kitchen when it comes to like origami and like, uh, the, I forget the name of the new spot that they got. Guava. Guava. Beautiful. Have y'all been there? No. Oh, it's beautiful, man. It's very unassuming. You get in there, man, they did their thing on the interior. But if you like the food, uh, you know, at these spots, if you're in Virginia, you know, Portsmouth, Norfolk area, and uh, you like the food. Is because of Big Trey and Big Trey, you know that this chef and this, the sushi chef in this joint reminded me of Big Trey so much, man. Just like the respect that he has for the culture and things of that nature. But uh, you know, and, but these niggas wanted to leave that joint to go to the pop. <laughs> so I thought that was like dope too, how they framed that. Just and I do think sometimes as Black people, the expectations we put on Black business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, there's we don't allow them as much grace as we allow other people. And those are conversations that I've had with folks about like for a black business to get repeat um patronage from some of us, like it almost has to be perfect. Yeah. Right. And um when it isn't, or if something doesn't go right, the thing that gets blamed for your experience is blackness. Yeah. And I feel like that's like a like a that's like a internalized anti-blackness on our part, which we are fully capable of. Shout out to Voldemort. Um, but <laughs> to you know who. Um, but that like somehow, or people will be like, oh, I don't want to go there. There's too many of us. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That like you've internalized some form of inferiority of your own people. Right. Um, but I've experienced that. They'd be like, whoa. Sometimes black people don't do good business. Sometimes every culture doesn't do good business. And in a lot of situations, you will continue. There's, you know, I can think like specifically like hair supply stores and like Mm -hmm. how some of them are so ridiculous Mm -hmm. with like the way they will interact with you and the way or like nail shops, the way they will interact with you, the Mm -hmm. way they will treat you and like comfort and comfortably do it. But you'll go back. Yep. And you don't blame that on, you know, the culture. On their culture, no. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, and I don't, I don't blink, and you shouldn't, right? Because people mm-hmm. are individuals and you're having an experience with an individual, right? Mm-hmm. You're not having an experience with an entire, like, culture or nationality or race of people. That's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to our own. It's just, it's judged. It's a, it's, it's blackness is the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I do agree that that place was janky. Yeah. I absolutely do. What the However. Spot? 
Yeah, they still had the freaking candy and shit from when it was a blockbuster. They were selling uh, they were selling hot white Hennessy. <laughs> hot instead of I'm not mad at that though. I'm not mad at it though. I'm not mad at it though. I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> look, look, the towels, the hot towels that they pulled out. Them with different colors match. and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was but, trying but, though they was trying but he said but he said it he said you know that and and i've seen you know that documentary hero i think hero loves sushi or something like hero that james of sushi yeah yeah hero james of sushi uh the, the most you know the most acclaimed sushi spot you know this was true what he was saying is inside of a subway in japan you know and there's no complaints about that people paying you know uh top notch you know a hundred dollars for a sushi roll you know coming from all corners of the country to come here because of you know the chef and the you know whatever the case may be you know the 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 uh the community that he built up around this the patronage and all of that it just does it doesn't matter where you put it like it's about the sushi you know and it's like they never got there because they were judging the rest of the experience, they never got to the sushi. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But but I also think it's like because I know Andrew Schultz said he he ate there at Geo Dreams of Sushi and he said he hated it. Where it's like <laughs> he would. I think He's a lot of I think yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people would eat there. And just because we're so used to like Americanized sushi, like if there isn't like a volcano roll or like some type of fried sushi or something like that. Or if it's, it isn't to the taste that you're used to, like a California roll or something like that, like a lot of people would be like, this is trash, eating at Joe Dreams of Sushi, but they would act like it's great. It's Whereas like, like if a black person was like making this stuff exactly the same way, we would we would be a, more, a lot more comfortable like disliking it, I think. That just, that's like right. people who eat Taco Bell all the time and then go get what we consider authentic Mexican and be yeah. like, this isn't good. This Which right. and that also is an authentic Mexican, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just crazy, man. It's crazy. So that whole monologue was very I mean, it was, you know, it, it was right on point, man. It was right on point to me. You know, I, saw- I it also it kind of feels like a commentary between like I feel like he he takes a lot of shots at like Dave versus Atlanta as well. <laughs> I felt like that too. Okay, I'm glad you got there also. <laughs> oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like you'll take this like cookie cutter, like weirdo, flowery, shit. fat stuff that like happens to be hip hop from like a white dude versus me who who is like really taking the time. And 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 am a master at my craft or whatever, but right. because it's me, you're just like nah. Like I <laughs> really a am a musician. With a bow tie. I really am a writer. Yeah. I really am an artist. And Dave, like, told you, he never wanted to be a rapper. He really wanted to be an actor. Wow. But you'll I... take that from them and not him. I, yeah, I got there too. I was like, online. yo, he coming for Dave Bird's neck. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about and call that. it genius and, and call it genius, even though I fucking did it first. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Y'all just fucked me up. Both of us. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, with that that I didn't even think I didn't even think about 
the Dave reference. It's valid too. Like we 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 even had we have even had conversations of like Atlanta versus Dave and how we compare them. I by no means find what Dave Bird does as good as this, um, and I don't think that that's for me. I definitely think that's for him and his audience. Um, I just happen to enjoy it sometimes, but I don't think I even fully enjoy it to the extent that maybe he intends in the way that I enjoy this. Because this is for me, specifically. I mean, I think Dave is less cynical than, like, the people who own Popeyes, who sell it to black people. But he is very much co-opting, like, black culture in the trying to make money or trying to get himself on. Um, and, but he he admits that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, every every time you hear him rap, he's doing flows from, like, contemporary rappers or whatnot, so... I mean, he's very smart in the way he does it. Um, he's but, he's yeah, mimicking yeah, a culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Wow. Y'all just fucked me up. In that entire thing, I think the person who reserves the right to be the fucking most offended by that is Gata. But outside of that... Because <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> yeah. not even Taco, just Gata. Um, mm. But outside of that, like, to me, like, yeah, like, and I'm not, I mean, it's not, I don't hear any lies. Mm. Y'all really, y'all understand that just fucked me up. Like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even consider that. Just the fact that Popeyes is like right across the street. Like they're literally on the same network. <laughs> right. Which is just crazy. Shit. Yeah. Like, they literally greenlit Dave because Atlanta was taking too long to come out. So it's like... Okay, so that was personal. That See, now that I personal. didn't know. Well, I don't know if that's like 100% true, but I'm pretty sure like that's the reason, one of the reasons why they did it. I mean, I remember making a comment, you know, after season two of Dave came out, and I think we talked about it, which I love Dave, you know, but to me, Atlanta is a superior show. Mm-hmm. But I love Dave as a placeholder for when Atlanta, you know, while Atlanta was on hiatus. And I do remember me making kind of a statement where I was like, oh, shit, Dave put out two seasons back to back. I was like, you know, this is before season three of Atlanta came out. And I was like, you know, Donald Glover got got like 24 hours of response sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. like he and he did. I mean, he came right back with three and four, you know, so I mean, I. I Clearly, he heard what I said and stepped up to the plate. <laughs> right. Clearly, well, yeah, he's a fan of our show. You know, other people were tweeting him. about what we think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other people were tweeting him that exact sentiment like, oh, Atlanta fell off because Dave is here. <laughs> and, Those people are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he, com- he said so. Yeah. He said he definitely said so, like, on Twitter to those people. So. I mean, no disrespect to Dave. You know what's coming after Yeah. This, but, yeah, like. No disrespect. <laughs> Don't do that. Dave is a good show. Don't do that. I'm not saying it's not a good show. I'm talking about Dave Bird specifically. Okay. He's not he's not an artist on this level. He's a marketing guy. And it's and that and that is that is valuable. Yeah. But when we talk about existential themes, I think they're very like uh, surface level. Mm-hmm. Where we're picking up on them every single time. I'm never ever confused about what he's trying to tell me. And right. 
it's never this nuanced and it's never this layered. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I mean, but also is that wasn't that it, disrespectful. It, it, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to go way worse true. than that. No. I, it, yeah, it's true. I mean, I th- but but how nuanced and complex can a Come Jewish on. Come white on. man Come experience on. be in America? Like, of course, it's, of course, there's no. Well, no, I mean, it, 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 his experience in America can be extremely nuanced, right? Yeah. But that's not even what he talks to us about necessarily. He, I mean, he talks about like, I guess, I don't know if we would call his condition like a, a, a disability. He talks to us about that. Yeah. But that's not even something that we know about him unless he fucking tells us, right? Right. Um, so like those parts of him are are kept very like private and he has chosen not to. Um, but as far as what he's experiencing, I mean, for as long as I've been paying attention to hip hop was probably since I've been about like three years old, maybe Mm -hmm. there's been Jewish people involved in the process. Not, not, not on no Voldemort shit. Um, people that I respect, (laughs) obviously. Right. Okay. Um, but it's something that they came into as opposed to something that they created. They were not part of the foundation of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you think about somebody, you know, like Dave wanted to go see Rick Rubin, right? Mm-hmm. Biff Whiff. Biff Whiff. Shout out <laughs> to Biff Whiff. Um, he wanted to go see Rick Rubin. Rick was there. And there are ways that Rick can talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are things that Rick understands. Mm-hmm. They're like, you just got here, Dave. <laughs> like, right. you understand what I'm saying? Like, right. Rick's been here for 40 freaking years. Like, right. he he made some of this shit happen. He put some of this shit into the mainstream for us. But, like, when did you start paying attention to any of this? When you thought it could make you some money? Like, right. why do you love this? Right. Because you, you told us you don't. So, yeah, I mean, nah, like. He's a capitalist. You know, uh, cool. Yeah, right. It, but I mean, you're not part of the culture for real. The the mission is different. Your culture vulture is yeah. what you are at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, I you know, I think I think I feel like Dave's whole thing is how much can I blur the lines between what people think about me as an artist, as what, what as an artist, and what people think about me as this character on this show. Like, it's 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 a it's a balancing act of like. Just how much can I blur these lines to where? And you I guys think Donald Glover's trying to do the opposite. I think Donald Glover exactly. really wants us to see him. I think that he made himself palatable for white people so yeah. that he could really, really show what black people were. Yeah. So, like, I think he's doing the opposite. He's t- he's taking his cool off. Yeah. And it's not a persona. It's like y'all didn't really know me before. Allow me to like let you see me for real. Right. Let I'm gonna me, get let, naked real fast. Let me get naked real fast. So I mean, like, I hate that. I hate that. I don't, I like that how we got to the conversation about Dave, but like, I hate that, like, we have to mention them together because right. I feel like we should respect Donald Glover more than that at this point. He's still got to stop saying wild shit. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that was, and that was the point of what I was like, oh, you know, that was a grave error mistake of me saying that like, yo, Dave did two seasons now such and such has to respond. But I no, that's like- not even why I'm talking about him saying wild shit. You got to stop saying wild shit about black women. But <laughs> oh, oh yeah, well I, I meant I meant in the comparison of yeah Dicky and 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 because Ch- they're not the same they're just Mm-mm. not the same but Mm-mm. but I I do want to be clear I respect the artistry of Dave Bird I really do of little for, I do too for I what it is but yeah, it is not it is. this it's not this no it's not 
It's not. It's not. He's a it's, marketing genius, and marketing I will give him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows. What <laughs> but he's uh, but in terms of artistic genius, like I don't know that I would put him there, because it, what he does feels derivative. I, yes, that that part it feels derivative because and in every respect. Because in on an artistry level, I I I I do have to give him his respect. It just doesn't connect with me the same as like what 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 Donald Glover is doing. If but, it was all about do, being authentic Jewish white man, he'd be modest Yahoo. Oh shit! Okay. Okay. When did he when 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 did modest Yahoo try to come over here and be in our shit? He never has. Never. Yeah. Nope. Okay. He's okay. in his yarmulke, being Jewish as fuck, <laughs> and owning that. Like, and make, he's making music for his people. Yeah, so, got it. And I still got know it. his name, and I respect him. Mm-hmm. No, the queen spoke. No, you're right. <laughs> you stupid. No, you're right, though. <laughs> you did not get your wish, Martin. We are. We made a two-hour episode. We made um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I owe y'all Real one, because you made pitch. me miss the, the series finale of This Is Us. So uh, this, this is where we're at. Okay. Did you recognize Cree Summer in the episode? Yeah. Yes. So, so right. my last my last question is: Do you think that in the episode, um, and shout out to Movie Files for this too? Do you think that that is Freddie? Hmm. Mm. Because why wouldn't why wouldn't like why wouldn't Freddie be living in Atlanta, being spiritual? Like, why wouldn't she? Maybe, maybe you know what I mean. That's exactly the kind of conversation she would have. Right. Yeah. Well, isn't it? It's different networks though between um, NBC and. Uh, no, but she didn't say her Fox. name, so yeah. she that that could totally be Freddie. We're just not saying her name. Yeah, it could be. Interesting. Yeah. I just like seeing her in front of the camera just because she's she's such a prolific like voice actor or voice actress actually. So I think the last thing I saw her in was what we do in the shadows. Kree is working. <laughs> so, yeah, she is. I, before that, she she had like a couple episodes of like Queen Sugar too. She works in front of the camera still, but like she gotta be caked up at this point. Yeah. How much of her shit is syndicated? Right. The rugrats alone, bro. Yeah. A lot of voice work with, with, with Cree Summer. Okay, yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if that was Freddie or Cree or neither. Right. You know, could have been neither. But bet. Ah, uh, listen, man, it's a sad day. Atlanta is. Uh, there will be no other. You know, and and for a show to, I don't know if they're if. if there will ever be another show like this that comes out of our culture in this lifetime. You know? Um, I hope so. I hope so, too. But it, it, a, a lot of mountains, a lot of things had to happen for this show to, to happen. And I don't mean like, I'm sure it, it endured its amount of obstacles, but I'm talking about just the nuance of who Donald Glover is. I know. think that... I think that there's like an ebb and flow in um, access to black creatives and in our storytelling and how valuable it is. Mm-hmm. Um, with the invention of YouTube and people being able to like pump out their content and make it accessible to us, like I don't think that it's going to go away as easily um, this time or be as 
ghettoized and relegated to like black networks as it, as it was for a period um, years ago. Um, but I'm very excited to see what black creatives are going to produce based on this particular moment in time and their willingness to work laterally to elevate each other. And I see so much of that happening that I can't imagine that someone would not be able to level up on top of Atlanta. Mm. And that's not like a diss to Atlanta by any means. Whoever whoever accomplishes that clearly has like a task ahead of them. But I I absolutely think it's possible with the level of synergy that I see happening with black creatives now. Like they're all about giving each other a hand up whenever they can. Yeah. I mean, I can agree. I mean, I can agree just based off of stuff like pause with Sam J mm-hmm. or like uh, Brooklyn, mis- I mean, Flatbush misdemeanors, you know, even can, South side, like <laughs> even South side. So I, mm-hmm. I can agree to what you're saying. Um, I just don't know if it'll have the same components. Like, like every single episode, like Atlanta's different because Atlanta's different because it gives you comedic value. It gives you the density. You know, it gives you the social issues. And the artistic value, yeah. The artistic value. Every single one of these episodes is shot like its own independent film and that's mm-hmm. the part that's missing from the rest of them you know it's that like the, like there's it's the, not an anthology but it feels like one there you go there mm-hmm. you go like so uh, you know just to kind of piggyback off uh, a word you used talking about dave i don't know how you can do this again and not feel like it's a derivative that's more so what i'm getting at like this is this is lightning in a bottle um, it came at the right time, and it, it's just going to be hard to. And not saying that anybody's trying to top it, but it's just going to be hard to capture all the elements that this captured into one show. I think that black art is constantly leveling up, and I think it's going to continue to. I don't think this is going to be the pinnacle of it. But to yeah. your point, like I think someone else can accomplish what he accomplished with a completely different aesthetic maybe is a way of saying so right um and it not feel derivative but i think somebody else will try this and it will feel derivative like that's inevitable too right right so i'm here for it i don't want to bet against black art you know i don't think you i don't feel like you are you're just kind of like how are they gonna do it yes but we we continue to innovate and surprise ourselves so it'll happen that's a fact that's a fact that is a fact hashtag lizzie loves being black (laughs) (laughs) It's an active hashtag. And does not let you forget it. That's an active hashtag. Martin, man, do you want to give any parting words to Atlanta? Um, Yeah, I, I, it's definitely one of my favorite shows of all time. And as far as black shows, like, I, I just feel like there's a lineage, just for me personally, between like Chappelle's show, Boondocks, and Atlanta. I, like, those three shows have definitely influenced me a lot. And uh, I, I, th- I think they're very similar in the way they depict black culture on TV or conversations between ourselves on TV that I really appreciate. And I just love the way that even the show with how long it's been on, it's definitely grown with Atlanta. Like Atlanta is very much definitely a film and video and stuff like that. It's it's a different place than it was like during the first season, like with just how 
even Tyler Perry has grown. Like the the film industry there has grown. So and just the city has grown. So, and so many people have moved down there. It's it's crazy. It, it like it really is a time capsule of Atlanta, and and it works. And it's a time capsule of like black culture that I don't I don't think will ever be like replicated. Um, but I, I definitely said before this is my favorite season probably. I mean I gotta look back at I looked at the episodes in season one. I, I think I like more episodes this season. Mm-hmm. I gotta look back at season two to make sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this I, I think they killed it this season. So Yeah. Agreed. All right, man. Well it's time to uh it's time to let it rest, man. Atlanta gave us four seasons of heat. Uh, and if you if you're not familiar with it, if you just by chance stumbled upon this episode without uh without giving the rest of the seasons of Atlanta a chance, man, we strongly urge you to go back season one, episode one, and start from the top. You are in for a treat with Atlanta. And if you have seen it, go back and rewatch it now that the whole thing has context. So you know, um, there's just a deeper conversation to every episode. So that's that on that. Um. What what where's what's our socials, Lizzie? Can you help us here? <laughs> Would you follow us on uh, Instagram? I'm trying and not Facebook? to call Treasy out. He knows why, but like on Instagram and Facebook, we are kind of movie critics, and on Twitter, we are kind of movie crits. There you go. C R I T S. C R I T S. That's us. All right. Well, that's that, man. And uh, remember, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are and we kind of not. We're just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an on-ear network production.